Aloha! Welcome to the Zeno Podcast, where we want to hear your story, your voice. My name is Mark Maslar. And I'm Angela Pantone. Thank you for joining us today. Before we jump into this month's interviews, let's talk about January. Did you know that the word January is taken from the name of an ancient Roman god named Janus? He was the god of new beginnings and was portrayed as a two-headed being, with one head looking forward to the future and the other head looking back, remembering the past. That is why January is a great time to remember the past and what we've learned from it and look forward to the future with hope. You know what? That sounds really cool. I never really thought of it that way. Yet, you are right in that January encompasses a lot of new beginnings for us as people. I was talking to a friend of mine last week and they said that they really enjoyed the December break. Not because of just being with family or anything like that, but because it gave them the opportunity to meditate on what they want to improve this upcoming year. That sounds like such a great practice, to think back on what we have accomplished and set goals for the future. One of my goals this year is to read the Book of Mormon in Spanish. <laughs> As for me, one of my goals is to stop spreading myself so thin, start living in the present. Well, each one of us probably has something in mind that they would like to try or improve on this year. The problem is understanding how we can make these goals a reality that we set our minds to. No. Well, each one of us probably has something in mind that they would like to try or improve on this year. The problem is understanding how we can accomplish the goals that we set our minds to. With that in mind, we invited a few people to talk about their achievements and how they made their dreams a reality. Now introducing Dr. Kate McClellan. Hi, great to be here. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, doctor. <laughs> Mark. <laughs> so let's start out with you and where you started. Where are you from mm -hmm. and where are you at right now? So physically, I'm from Southern California. Okay. I was here as a student for undergrad. I had a running scholarship and my parents said, you should probably go to a church school. And I said, that sounds terrible. <laughs> so we compromised with Hawaii. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, I was here and I did all four years here and I loved it. I served a mission and came back and then we left the islands for a while. And then um, they recently had a opening for a professor and here we are. Awesome. Yeah. I love it. You know, that's amazing. It's just even though it's like traveling from place to place, mm -hmm. there's a lot of things that you can learn in between that really can help, I guess. Yeah, well, a lot has happened since I was a student here. Yeah. <laughs> that was a while ago. Um, but I think it's going to make me a really good professor. I've only been here a year and a half as a professor, but I think the corporate experience that I've had and the, the time in kind of like a real-world, non-academic setting, all those experiences will help me in the academic setting, help my students prepare for their futures. True. In whatever it's gonna be. So, I guess when starting out as a student, you wouldn't exactly have thought that you'd be here as a professor. I had no idea what I wanted to do when I was a student. I just knew that I really liked studying the human body and I thought I liked research and I knew I wanted to help people in kind of a physical way. So that's why I was a exercise science major and that's what I teach here I came back to teach the same thing so it worked out well but honestly when I was a student here I really 
I think like 90% of the students here, they have no idea what they want to do and they just kind of kind of throw a dart at the board and hope something sticks. Yeah. So That's actually a good place to start because I bet that about everybody has had that experience in our life where you think you're going in one direction, but later on in life you find that you went in the completely opposite direction. Well, yeah. I mean, everyone grows up thinking they're going to be an astronaut, but how many of us do? Mm -hmm. But when I started here, I thought I was going to be a physical therapist, but then I realized that I didn't want to be a physical therapist. And then what do you do? So then I thought medical school, but then I took organic chemistry and realized that I hate chemistry. So med school was out because mm -hmm. I was going to fail the MCAT. So I had to do, I took two years off between after undergrad, before I went to grad school to kind of figure out exactly what I wanted to do. And that's when I realized I decided I wanted to get a PhD so I could do research and teach eventually and kind of have a degree that would be really helpful for everything. That's true. You know, thinking about goals, because this is the new year, yep. and about everybody has some kind of New Year's resolution, mm -hmm. and thinking about how hectic it might have been for you to go through these kind of experiences, what helps you in order to understand when to change your direction and how to move forward when you didn't think you knew where you were going? I think a lot of people, um, the best way they generally feel is they start with the plan and they kind of start with the end in mind. It's one of the seven habits of highly successful people or highly effective people. And they decide, okay, this is where I want to end up. Um, and most people don't know how they're going to get there. And probably the majority of us aim for what we think we want and then somewhere along the path we change our minds something else becomes more appealing more realistic um, more solvent for our future more kind of applicable you know more relevant maybe some of us end up getting where we want to be and I don't think that success is getting exactly what you want I think it's kind of thriving in the environment that you're in. I don't think success hmm. is binary and that it's a yes, no, yes, I am successful, no, I'm not successful. I think it's a graded curve, like a gradient, like I'm a little bit successful to a lot of successful. And I think that is kind of a, a subjective measurement and how do you feel that you are performing in an environment? Yeah. Are you being successful in that job or in that career or in that situation or are you not as successful um, and I think it changes just like happiness isn't uh, a binary thing it's not yes I'm happy or no I'm not happy it's you're always a little bit of yes happy and a little bit of no happy yeah <laughs> honestly um, and I feel that success is like that so having a goal is always good to always have something to aim for um, and I recently started going back and focusing more on my intentions so so a lot of people do these new year's resolutions and like this is what i want to lose 20 pounds and drink a gallon of water a day and get a's on all my tests and you know read the book of mormon every day for 10 minutes or whatever and like those are all really great like totally awesome you do you but some people when they start missing the mark or they change their goals or they change their plan they start to feel like failures and that's really the opposite of what a goal should do. It should make you strive to be better in some way or progress. And so I started focusing on intentions and what 
Like, well, I want to read the Book of Mormon for five minutes every day or meaningfully for 15 minutes, something like that. But why? Well, it's not just to get five minutes done and then, like, turn off the timer and close my book and walk away. It's so I can develop a personal relationship with my Heavenly Father. Can I do that in two minutes a day or do I need longer? So I kind of went back to what are my intentions. So my intention when I went to grad school was to get a degree that allowed me to have the job that I wanted, where I never had to get a, go back to school again, because once you have a PhD, nobody cares what other degrees yeah, you have. It. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> you can, really, And they kind of assume you're an expert at everything, which we're not, but we, we think we are. I mean, if you talk to PhDs, we're kind of an arrogant group. Um, <laughs> I, guess, I guess I'll have to check myself before I check into that group. Yeah, um, speaking from experience. Anyway. Um, and my intention for grad school was to do something that I loved to do because I knew I was going to have to live, eat, breathe it for the next few years and it would cost me a substantial chunk of change. So it had to be something that was worth investing everything and I had to be willing to lose a lot for it. So if my intention was to go broke and to ruin personal relationships, then yes, I accomplished that in grad school, but that wasn't my goal. <laughs> that was not my intention. That's kind of what happened. But my goal and intention for grad school was to make sure that I could have a job where I could sustain my family if I needed to. I could get a really quality job in a field that I found, you know, fulfilling um, and that I could work with people in a meaningful way. So if I kind of understand where you're going with this, it's that when you make a goal, what you want to start off with is the foundation which is your why yeah why why are you in this and then what is it gonna do for you in the end yeah because that way it changes how you see your goal so it's not so yes i did it or no i didn't but are you moving towards it so i have a five-year-old little girl and she is at the stage of life where she has to ask why 15 mm -hmm. times about something and it's not that she really i mean she wants to know why but she really just wants to make conversation yeah because she's five and so I took my goals and I treated it like I approached them like a toddler, like a five-year-old. Okay. And I kind of said, well, why do I want to do that? And I went back, I would go back like four or five whys. Well, why do I want to have a better relationship with my Heavenly Father? Well, why is that important? Why is that important? Why is that important? And I went all the way down to the very basics of why was I setting these goals? Like, why do I feel like I should, you know, exercise for 20 minutes a day? Yeah. And I, for me, it got down to because my body is a gift from God, and that's how I feel like I'm honoring that gift. Hmm, that's good. Yeah. So, so for me, it, so my goal isn't any it, anymore isn't exercise for 20 minutes a day. It's to feel like every day I'm honoring the gift that God gave me with my body. Hmm. So, eating healthy, drinking more, walking a little bit more, maybe parking a little bit further away. Those are all part of that intention to treat my body as if it is, was an eternal gift. Because it is. It's part of your soul. Your yeah. body and your spirit are your soul. And so I'm thinking, if that's my gift from God, how am I best honoring it? So doing that, and not that everyone has to do that, obviously, but for a lot of people, we have these really exact goals. And if we don't hit them, if we miss the mark, we kind of feel like failures and that that's not God's plan for us. He wants us to get the plan of happiness, not the plan of you're coming up short. So if if we change kind of our mindset, then you can find success in whatever it is you're doing. Maybe you're the best fry cook that McDonald's has ever had. Great, be successful at that. If that's where your your life is right now, 
do it. You don't have to be making a million dollars a day to be successful. Yeah, because you, you can't always start over every time that you realize that your goal isn't what you thought it would become at that stage in your life. Sometimes right. you have to just switch your focus midway. Yeah. So like, how, how would you handle that? If you start with a goal, but halfway you realize that it's not really working out the way you want, or maybe you realize that the, that's not the direction you want it to be, how would you move on from that? I would, I'm trying to think of a time where I've changed directions. I don't think there's a problem in, I've had businesses that have failed and I don't, I mean, I don't think that they failed. I think they just didn't do what I thought they were going to do. And so I had to pivot and I think a lot of people pivot. A lot of people change course, they change directions, they um, don't end up where they thought they were and I think the ability to see that logically and to be humble enough to say you know what this is really dumb this is not working or my needs are changing or my life is changing maybe you get married and you find out that you're pregnant your life is going to change whether or not you plan to have that child and maybe you have to course correct yeah maybe what you planned for six months from now isn't going to happen so it's I think being okay with that and I know every successful business person every successful career person I know no one start like they woke up when they were five years old and said I want to run a company and it's going to be called this and this is what we're going to sell and this yeah. is where our target market is it, nobody does that well that would be, make it a lot easier that would be so boring <laughs> that would be so boring if that's how life was oh my gosh I guess you're right I mean ugh. I like that I've done a bazillion things because it makes for really good dinner party stories. Hmm. I mean, think about it. Yeah. They're the most interesting people with like crazy stories. You mind sharing the crazy stuff? I lived in Hong Kong because I told a professor that I was dating a guy that was currently living in Hong Kong and that I also happened to know I was certified in Pilates and he was like, oh, that's cool. I know the owner of a hospital over there and I hmm. said, that would be cool to teach their physiotherapist Pilates so they could use it as a source of revenue. And he goes, all right, well, let's make it happen. And we did. And I lived over really? in Hong Kong for a year and a half teaching physical physiotherapists how to do Pilates so the hospital could use it as a form of rehab for their inpatients and um, revenue for their outpatients. Huh. Yeah. Total whim. Like that, I, that I missed the first day of school in grad school, or one semester, because I was flying back from Hong Kong because the, the guy that I was dating, he was living in Southern California, but he moved out there to play rugby. And yeah, so I missed, so I needed to go talk to the professor. And that's it just total spur of the moment. I wasn't planning on living in Hong Kong. I loved the city. I thought it was amazing. The people were awesome. And I had a skill set that was unique, really, to um, the United States. And I thought, this is something that should be shared and it's beneficial to people. And hey, I can make money. <laughs> Mm. And I can live overseas. Yeah. Sign, sign me up. So we did. So that was a total random thing. But yeah, it happened. That's definitely a great message. Because, <laughs> because, I mean, think about it. There are so many people who, even myself, like I'm the kind of guy who will map what I'm going to do for my courses the next few years to make sure that I'm on the right track. Good. But yeah, and it can be good. But then there are also moments where you have to make those spur of the moment changes. Yeah. And you have to be welcome to the idea that maybe your path can still 
be successful mm -hmm. despite the fact that you had this addition yeah. to what you thought your year was going to be like. Right. You know, right. I, I think that's great. You know, and I think about everybody needs to learn that because not everything is going to work out exactly the way you want it. But most of the time, it happens about as much as you might think, as long as you are the one who's making an effort and rolling with the punches. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I think it's good to have an ideal, like a goal, something that you're trying to work towards, but being so fixated on it that you lose sight is, I think, detrimental. It's short-sighted and you're gonna miss out on a lot of opportunities for growth, for failure, which you wanna, you want to not win all the time because that's where your best learning happens hmm, yeah and if you are like three classes into a major and you realize you hate it you got to be able to change like weren't you an exercise science major and then you moved over to education because it fits yeah. more of the people that you want to help and like what you want to do <laughs> yeah. but imagine if you're like no no no, no. i'm going to stick to what i wanted to do when i was 18 years old you'd be miserable because you'd put down exercise science major so you course correcting is great because now you can fundamentally say, I don't want to be an exercise science major because it doesn't fit. And I already tried a couple of those classes, but now I'm going to change to education. And do you feel more fulfilled? Yeah. See, like you don't mind putting in the hard work and the extra time and doing the hours in the classroom and things like that. Like those sacrifices won't feel like you're missing out because you're gaining so much from them because you chose them. True. And you can look back and be like, yeah, exercise science wasn't my jam. It, I already tried it. I don't know if I can walk away and not have regrets. Yeah. So I think it's great to course correct. I think it's great to have, like have an ideal, but be totally flexible in changing it. If because otherwise you're just throwing good time after bad, like yeah. good money away after bad money. So. So I guess to kind of tie ourselves up then, if if you could give a message to your old self that would have helped you accomplish your dreams back then, what would it have been? Quit being so neurotic, <laughs> you weirdo, uh, and learn how to put on makeup. Man, I was a late bloomer with that. <laughs> I, I think I'm late about 21 years too. <laughs> no, your eyebrows look great. Uh, <laughs> no, um, I think, and I, I see the same thing in my students now is they have this one thing that they feel like they have to do and sometimes they're doing most people have two motivations it's either they're doing it out of fear and it's like the fear of failure is pushing them to be to be whatever it is that they're going towards they they they're so afraid of going back to being poor or disappointing their parents or you know maybe they're the first to go to college and nobody understands it and so they're they're afraid to fail because then and they're setting the precedence that college is a waste of time. And there, there, there's that like fear and dread and anxiety behind, quote, succeeding, that they have to do it, otherwise everything is lost. And for some people that's very real and I'm not discounting that because they really don't want to go back to being poor. But that's a really unfortunate place to be building your path from. Yeah. If you can choose what you want to do based on more of a positive aspect of it. So you're going towards the carrot. You're being motivated by the carrot instead of the stick. Like there's the, true. like the donkey is either a carrot or you're motivated by the carrot or by the stick. So if you can 
see that you finishing your degree or you choosing a certain career path will bring you joy and fulfillment and it will work with your family work-life balance and you'll be in an environment that you are passionate about or that you feel you will thrive in, you will dedicate more time, more hours, you'll be willing to sacrifice more than if it's coming from a place of fear. So find what, they say find what you love to do and figure out how to make money at it. Because um, if you want to change the world, you really have to have a couple of bucks in your pocket, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, so that's what I found for me was I was so worried about being what my parents weren't going to be disappointed in and showing my, my younger siblings how great it was to be in college that I really made myself just so neurotic about all the wrong things. I was so freaked out about grades and internships and MCAT scores and things like that. And I was like, I'm not even passionate about medicine anymore. I still want to be a doctor, but I want to do research. So I had to be able to course, like, course correct and be humble about it and just be like, eh, I'm not going to be, I'm still Dr. Kate, but I'm not that Dr. Kate. Can't write you fun prescriptions, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah I would tell myself to relax live life lightly yeah I guess that's a good place to stop yeah live life lightly so now introducing David Porter would you mind giving an overview of your career outside of BYU-Hawaii? Well, when I finished my bachelor's degree, I started a master's program. At the end of the first year of that program, I'd completed all the coursework, but I had not yet finished the thesis. And I was hired by the university on the faculty of the PE department, which is what it was called then, physical education department. And I was assigned to the missionary training center. So I was to do all the physical fitness for the missionaries, and this was in the new Missionary Training Center by the Provo Temple. But at the time, it wasn't yet completed, and it would be completed over the course of the summer, and then I would begin in the fall. And I was there for six years, and during that time, I developed a program that was used by every missionary in the world every day. And uh, I still have missionaries calling and wanting to know how they can get it. My son actually is a programmer. He put it on an app, which is available now. And um, that exercise program is called Timed X. Having gotten involved in that and exercising every day and doing with the missionaries, I found myself slightly bored, mm -hmm. doing the same thing every hour, every day, with just different bodies in the gym. So I started coaching on the side. So I started coaching the high school tennis team, and then my one of my college coaches was now the women's coach and he asked me to be his assistant at BYU so I did that for a couple of years and then the head men's coach asked me if I would change switch over and help with the men's team which I did and coached the junior varsity team men's team at BYU for basketball and was one of the assistants in the men's program and then a position came available over here as a faculty member and as a assistant basketball coach with the intent to take over as the head basketball coach in a couple of years. So I accepted that position. I had completed my master's and took some classes towards my doctorate. 
So I came over here as an assistant professor and as the assistant basketball coach, and I did that for two years. We had our first 20-win seasons, both years, in the school's history. I stayed, we started a tennis team here in the fall of 84, and I was the assistant volleyball coach that year. We finished second in the nation that year, lost in the national championship match. Started a tennis team with no budget. Well, they gave me $1,000 for everything. Scholarship, balls, shoes, strings, travel, uniforms, you know, which doesn't go very far. Right? Yeah. So basically we had to raise all the money for what we did and we did pretty well. So they gave us a little more and 10 years later we started, they turned the women's program over to me and that's what I did until they dropped sports in 2017. That's really amazing though, to think that given such little resources, you're able to make the program what it was. And I think that's actually something that a lot of people have to go through. Whether they're starting school with a little bit of money, it makes sense to understand how you can work with nothing in order to make it to the next level in your career. Well, it's about hard work, and some people misunderstand that. A lot of the problems in our country are because we don't not willing to do the hard work. We just want to throw money at something. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't necessarily solve the problem. And uh, having money helps, but it doesn't. It's not the solution, which is why you have so many universities that have big time programs and they're not very successful. They have plenty of money, but it's the work ethic of the people involved. So when it comes to achieving success for you, work ethic and working hard are the foundation to achieving that goal. Yeah, they are the foundation. Success cannot be judged by what others see, but by how one feels. Okay. So the harder you work, the more you put into it, the greater success you feel, regardless of the outcome. In other words, my success shouldn't be based on a result that someone else is able to view, but it should be based on the effort and energy that I put into it. Mm -hmm. So some of the teams where I felt we were most successful, we didn't necessarily have the best results. Be an example of one instance where you felt that this application of hard work and a different perspective on success was able to help well, our, our men's team won two national championships, our women won nine, but our men's team one year because of some injuries and a student choosing to leave school for mm -hmm. personal reasons, we didn't even have six players. You have to have six for a team. And at that time, we were in the NAIA and we had players we had were good, but we basically had four very good players, one that was okay, and one who was on the soccer team and just came out to fill in a spot when we had matches. So when we qualified and went to the national tournament, he didn't even go to the tournament with us, the soccer player. We So we entered the tournament knowing that we were going to default one singles and one doubles match every time we played. And we finished third in the nation. We didn't wow. win, but we finished third with basically four and a half players. And But they worked hard, they worked together. It was a great success for us, even though we didn't win the ultimate championship, which would have been fine and wonderful, but based on what our goals were, what we had to work with and how hard we worked, that was one of our most successful seasons. Yeah. You know, that's a great testament to the fact that as long as you don't give up, there's always something out there for you to be proud of. Absolutely. You're absolutely right, Mark. And the other thing is, is that it's not about being proud of the result or the outcome, but the process. And so we felt like what we learned in terms of commitment, energy, discipline, and so forth are things that carried with us much further than 
you know, a picture holding a trophy, for example, had, yeah. we, had we won. They did a study that was cited in the New York Times not too long ago that said that of the female CEOs of Fortune 500 companies, mm -hmm. over 90% of them had one thing in common. They all participated in intercollegiate sports. So what are the benefits? And when they interviewed them, they said, what, what did you get from them? They said, we learned. Teamwork, discipline, hard work, listening, accepting other points of view, um, which you have to do on a team. And so the benefits of sports far exceeds the actual sport or competition itself. Mm. The benefit is what you get in the day-to-day -day practices and the disciplining and the organizing and planning your time and your schedules and all those types of things. So we're fortunate for a, a, a good period of time to have that opportunity here and a lot of students were blessed by it. You know, that's great. You know, I'm interested to hear if you were to give a, a younger you or even just a student here on campus advice that would help them to achieve their success, what would that be? Well, if you want to be successful, find something that you like and get really good at it. If you want to be happy, find someone that will pay you to do it. Mm. So I think, first of all, you need to realize, what do I really want to be doing with my life? What brings me happiness? What blesses the lives of others, not what can accumulate me the most in terms of worldly possessions. So my original intention was to go to law school. So I was, as an undergraduate, I was an English major for most of my undergraduate time. And starting my senior year, I sat down and had a visit with a professor and, and we talked about what I really wanted to do and who had influenced my life. And I said, my coaches and my seminary teachers are the ones that influenced me the most. So I changed majors with and went fall, winter, spring, and summer, taking overloads every semester and graduated in physical education at the time in one year. Wow. And changed the course of what I was going to do when I realized that, yes, I'll make more money as an attorney, but what I want to do is influence lives. And I felt like the best way to do that was through teaching and coaching. And um, it turned out to be a good choice for me. All right. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Porter. It was nice talking to you. Thank you. And up next, we have Joshua Garcia. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Josh. Sure. So, I was born and raised in Utah. My parents are from El Salvador, so I grew up uh, speaking Spanish, eating pupusas, um, having a lot of family at home, and it was really a wonderful, you know, life so far. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Now I'm married, we have four kids, um, I'm the manager of the Island Buffet, Prime Dining and Barbecue Lunch over at the Polynesian Cultural Center. My wife is currently a student here at BYU Hawaii and she works with um, the career services, helping people get internships, look at um, building their resumes and everything like that. That's amazing. Actually, it kind of brings up a few questions on my end, actually. Like, how did you end up from Utah to be over here and managing right now over at the PCC? We ask ourselves that quite often. <laughs> but part of it is really easy because my wife um, grew up in Kahuku. Uh -huh. So her, 
family she has a lot of family over here and there came a point um, in 2011 where we um, moved back we moved here so she had come to stay with her family for a little while and then we just decided that it would be a good place for us so we moved here I got into BYU graduated with um, university studies exercise science and then we moved back to Utah but then after about five years out of nowhere we got these these promptings and the promptings were to anticipate a change hmm. and we weren't sure what that was going to be but we kept praying we went to the temple we we fasted we thought maybe it was going to be some type of move so what we did is we drove all the way up and down Utah, went to Vegas, even California, and we were like, is there a place, Father, where you'd like us to go? And we kept asking, and no place felt right. And I decided to give my wife a blessing, and part of that blessing said that she was supposed to finish her education. And it was very strong, and it was strange because she was enrolled and taking classes at UVU, Utah Valley University. So we we felt that direction, but it kind of stumped us. So I asked my dad for a blessing, and in that blessing, it, he said, "Consider the option you haven't considered yet." And my wife and I, we both realized that it was Hawaii, because when we had been here, when I was in school. We moved because we thought, you know, we're never going to be able to survive out here. We're never going to be able to um, own a home, pay bills, to be successful. So we moved to Utah. And in Utah we have um, lots of family. We have construction business. We have a lot of the things that you would feel or think would yeah. make you successful. So we followed the prompting. Um, Moved out of a four-story, four, story, four <laughs> oh wow, big four, house, a five-room, four-bathroom house with a garage. Um, left the company trucks. We shipped our van out here, so if you see a van that says <laughs> it's got a big old vehicle wrap, that's us. We shipped that out here. My wife applied, got into BYU, and we're working on the promptings as they come. So. We left what we thought was one version of success, but in trusting, putting faith in and asking God what He wants us to do, He has made us successful in different ways that we never thought were possible. So when I first came out here, I worked construction for a little bit with my father-in-law, and that wasn't a good fit for me. So there were a few jobs at PCC that were open. Um, one of the reasons why the construction was not a good fit was because that was just taking up the whole day. Yeah. I would wake up 4.30 in the morning, leave the house at 5, and then not come home until 6, 7 at night. And me, I love my family time. I need to have the quality time with the kids. I need to talk to them, hear how they're doing. 
I need to see how my wife is. Just that bonding that takes place when you're physically present with somebody. Yeah. When you can look them in the eye and when you can um, when you can just joke and tease and, and just have a good time. Like that's one of the things that I'm all about. And that wasn't working for me with construction because everything's in town and it's just too far. But I applied to a job at the PCC. Um, it was going to work for me because it was in the mornings and the kids work in the morning, uh, they go to school. So I figured, oh, if I finish at three, then I'll be able to spend time with the kids and with Lala. So I got into the job. It was a custodial position at PCC with food and beverage. And I worked with food and beverage before when I was here. And I just love everybody there. They just, the aunties, uh, Michael, everybody just was so good to me. And they treated me like a son. Oh, yeah, so, real family. Yeah, real family. I, I love that about Hawaii, about Laia, about PCC, BYU. It's so great to be an outsider and then be welcomed in. Just, yeah. just for being you. <laughs> you just show up as who you are. And so many people just love you and accept you. So that was one thing that I really loved. I worked in that position for roughly a year. And then opportunities came up for me to work in the restaurants, to drive the truck, to um, cross train, to get familiar with different areas of food and beverage. And um, with structural changes, um, and anticipating the uh, retirement of some of the um, leaders, they opened up a position, they created a position for me as a manager. So I'm so grateful that they've had, um, had faith in me and been able to give me this opportunity to grow and to to be something um, better than I was the day before. Mm-hmm. One of the things about this position is that it allows me to interact with students from BYU, students from the high school, students from all over the world. I believe that Laia has a very special place in God's plan because the whole world comes here, whether it's students, whether they're guests, they come here, they feel the Spirit. For those who come to BYU, they develop skills and talents for them to be leaders in the Philippines, in Mongolia, in China, in Japan. South Africa, wherever they're from, BYU is a training ground for people to go back home and lift up their people. So, as I try to understand why it is that I'm here, one of the things, one of the promptings that came to me was about putting together this program. So, the program we put together, it's an actual nonprofit. It's called Remember. And it's about honoring the past, 
celebrating the present and preparing for the future because right now you might be facing difficulties you might be facing depression anxiety you you may have uh, tons of bills to pay you may have so many challenges but as you realize that overcoming those challenges is just part of your plan as you realize and remember the sacrifices that your family has made for you to come here as you recognize the things you are missing out on back home because you chose to to come here to to leave your world behind to come and study and work at PCC and and prepare yourself for a better future everybody who comes here and gets into BYU who studies and applies themselves they will return and be leaders be leaders in their families in their communities in the organizations in the church and as you look at the whole picture of what's come before who has come before sometimes there's so many opportunities that we wish our parents our grandparents our ancestors had we wish that we could give them the gospel we wish that we could give them a better life they wanted us to have a better life that's why they've sacrificed so much and we can take care of them as we remember them as we honor our cultural traditions as we celebrate these foods that we do these cultural dances that help us remember our homelands that help us remember what makes us different what makes us unique celebrating our our differences that's about perfecting the saints that's about recognizing that you're different than me and it's okay because your weakness might be my strength or it might be our neighbor's strength but as we come together our diversity makes us strong it is such a unique opportunity we have to be here in Laia with people from all over the world who have so many different cultural traditions and so many different ways that they represent who they are that they remember who they are that they stand up for the characteristics the traits that their parents have passed on to them getting along with each other getting um, familiar with different cultures that opens up new doors for school for networking for business opportunities we have APCC coming up that's a huge opportunity where you have people from all over the East, the Pacific who are learning and seeing that this group of people have such um, such diverse talent skills and that they can do so much in the workplace because they're just being themselves and because they're getting along with others yeah you know just listening to your story I can tell that it's different from the other ones I've had this week which revolve around understanding yourself and understanding the why to what you're doing it and I think that yours is different because it also encompasses a very big part of who we are as Latter-day Saints which is about family and faith you know there's more to success as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints than financial security or a good position in a great company but it has to do with learning where you are in Heavenly Father's plan listening to that prompting and moving forward with that even though you might be scared you know and that's definitely something that we all have to come across in our lives even if we're not members of this church 
but I doubt that no one has experienced a time in their life where they had to test themselves by taking a leap of faith. And I think that's something that's really unique to your story, is the, the key role that faith played in it. And just to tie things up, if you were to give a student on campus advice on how to connect with this spiritual side of things and discover where Heavenly Father might need them to be or how to find out what success is for them through Heavenly Father's eyes, what would you say to them? I think the biggest thing that helped me personally was to turn down the volume on the world and everybody's going to have a different different thing they have to turn down the volume on it might be literal too much music um, that's always going so you can't hear the spirit it might be that you're working too much it might be that you're hanging out too much it, it could be anything from being at the beach it can even be good things maybe you're too involved with your calling but you don't spend enough quiet time directly with the Lord as you find opportunities as you create space to hear Him you will have experiences just like the Prophet Joseph Smith did you may not see our Father and the Savior but you will hear the words you will have your life changed by the things they ask you to do I think that's one of the reasons why the Prophet has asked us to study the first vision in preparation for conference because he knows as we make that space we will hear the voice of the Lord Amen Thank you very much Josh That was amazing Thank you Mark Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Zeno Podcast. It was a pleasure to interview these professionals and really understand what brought them to where they are now in their careers. As I continue to go through my college career, I tend to think that it, it gets harder and harder to figure out what exactly we want to do. But if there has been anything that I have learned in this podcast, it is that we can always learn from each other and help one another in order to get to the next stage in our life. And with that, I hope you learned something for this episode. And if anything, I wish you luck as you go out to change your life one day at a time. Till then, see you next time, and have a great one. Bye.